everyone. Welcome to episode 14 of the Couch Potato Coach podcast. Coach Megan here. Thank you all for hanging in there with me while I took a much needed break. I'm feeling rested and renewed and inspired. Today, I will be talking about how to decide if a particular relationship that you're in is quote unquote toxic and how to put up boundaries to neutralize it. This is part one of a two-part episode. I realized once I started writing this episode that there was too much content for me to cover in one episode, so I do have it broken up into two parts. Today is going to be part one. I'll be introducing you to the fabulous Dr. Harriet Lerner and her book, The Dance of Anger. I get really granular on this and into the icky gray areas where there are not right or wrong answers. It comes down to what is best for you, and only you can decide what that is. I've been thinking about doing an episode on this topic for a while, and I would always put it off because it's a complicated topic and it requires critical thinking and reflection. I can't give you black and white instructions, which makes it a hard topic because it can leave things open to misinterpretation. In the end, I decided to do it because I trust you guys. I trust that if you are taking the time and effort to listen in to a podcast like this, you aren't going to make a hasty decision to cut off a relationship that doesn't need to be cut off. Um, This decision is going to require that you put in the time and effort to make sure you select the boundary that's right for you and doesn't later lead to a bunch of regrets. This is not something that can be decided in the heat of the moment when you're feeling a big emotion or that can be made from a position of self-righteousness, which is a very common mistake that I myself have made many times. Deciding what to do about a toxic relationship has the power to drastically change your life for better or for worse. Make sure you're taking the time to dive into the process so that you make the choice that aligns with the best version of yourself. Also, I do feel the need to say that this does not apply to an abusive relationship, If you are in an abusive relationship and you're feeling unsafe, then please reach out to talk to someone on the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or by texting the word START to 88788. Okay, those are my disclaimers. The first thing I'd like to point out is that this is not exclusive to romantic relationships. Toxic relationships exist everywhere and could be with a parent, a friend, a cousin, grandparent, a boss, a coworker, the barista that makes your morning coffee. They exist everywhere. The second thing I'd like to point out is that they're not limited to human interactions. You could be experiencing a toxic relationship with social media sites like Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or inanimate objects like your TV or weight scale or your car. For the purposes of today's podcast, I am purely talking about human relationships. So that we're all on the same page here, I'm going to define what I mean when I say toxic relationship. Uh, Relationship is any interaction with another person that has an impact on your thoughts, your behaviors, or both. A toxic relationship is one that results in consistently negative thoughts and or behaviors or shame about who you are. It's also completely unique to you. So a toxic relationship could easily be a healthy relationship for someone else. Full disclaimer, I made those definitions up. 
I couldn't find a universally accepted definition for a toxic relationship from a credible source. I'd actually be pretty interested in one if any of you have one, so please feel free to send it my way. I know you are all impatiently listening to this podcast so you can finally have the validation you need to cut your mother-in-law out of your life. I know you're here for permission to tell that condescending coworker that you don't have time for her shit anymore. Well... Sorry about your luck, but I have a curveball for all of you. The first place we need to start here is the relationship that you have with yourself. I know this is not sexy. I get it. It's annoying and it's oh so not as gratifying as telling that mother-in-law to her face that she's toxic and you will have no parts of it anymore and watching her turn a special shade of purple as she huffs and puffs at your backside while you walk away in all your self-righteous glory. I get it. It may not feel nearly as gratifying or, or groundbreaking and exciting, but I'm here to talk about what works. And the fact of the matter is that the single most toxic relationship that most of us have in our lives is the one that we have with ourselves. And for a lot of us, it's not something that we consciously pay attention to, so we don't even notice. This is dangerous. This is how that life that we really want to live is consistently out of reach. So yeah, starting with the relationship that we have with ourselves isn't glamorous or sexy, but changing it will change your life in a big way. This is the work and it's hard and no one is going to shower you with praise or tell you job well done for doing it. No one is coming to do this work for you. And I know because no one came for me. I think that might be a girl thing. We wait for someone to rescue us. No one cared if I did this work or not. And I waited until the relationship that I had with myself was so toxic, I could barely get out of bed in the morning. I was depressed and I needed a therapist to help me get back on track. And no one encouraged me to go to a therapist. I had to get myself there in that chair and do the work to get healthy. And I have to say, this work is so worth it. Things that felt too difficult for me in the past or that I had tried to achieve over and over again only to have them just out of reach fell into place. All of the sudden people were coming to me for advice. I was a better mother. My marriage improved. I got a raise at work. I opened my own business. I felt proud of myself for the first time in my adult life. I am not selling short-term gratification or some diet plan that will work for a hot minute and then leave you worse off than before. What I'm talking about here is changing the neural pathways in your brain. The way you make decisions will change. The way you interact with your loved ones will change. The way you show up will change. And I know this sounds like some amazing sales pitch, but I need you to understand all the benefits from doing this work because it is difficult, tedious work that needs to be done consistently. Just like working out or eating healthy, it's not sexy or glamorous or exciting, but the quality of your life is better. The relationship that you have with yourself has a single largest impact on your life for better or for worse. You decide. Do you want to do this consciously or on autopilot? I shall step down from my soapbox and get into the process of recognizing and shaping the relationship that we have with ourselves. 
We all have a voice in our head that is endlessly gabbering on and on. This is where you start when you want to start cutting out the toxic relationships in your life with a voice in your head. This voice is constantly evaluating our environment and making judgments on it. From my rudimentary understanding, this is our nervous system doing exactly what it was designed to do. This is neurobiology. It's how we're wired as humans and it evolved to keep us safe. As children, our brains created neural pathways that developed into habits in order to survive our circumstances. When we're vulnerable children, we can't leave our caretakers because we will literally die. We depend on them for food, shelter, and everything in between, so our brains have brilliantly evolved to keep us in situations that are sometimes emotionally, psychologically, or even physically harmful in order to survive. This is the biological reason why kids still love their very imperfect parents, and honestly, thank God for this. My kids would have left me a long time ago. (laughs) So we've all been impacted in some way, whether we had a warm and loving parents and a blissful childhood, or even if we had less capable or even downright abusive parents, this is just how we're biologically wired to look for possible environmental threats and survive. If your parents ignored your emotional needs or reacted in anger when you cried as a child, you learn to suppress your emotional needs. If a close friend shamed you for expressing sorrow, then your brain learned it wasn't safe to trust other people. If a teacher laughed at you for getting the answer wrong, then you learned it wasn't okay to make mistakes. It's a highly adaptable trait that served you very well in childhood. Whether your childhood was happy and full of love or left something to be desired, we're all going to have these lessons to unlearn. Some of us more than others, true. For many of us, that voice in our head is super critical and harsh because it was developed as a way to keep us safe in childhood. However, as an adult, we're capable of handling our emotions and trusting ourselves in situations where we feel threatened. We're capable of retraining our brains to react differently. So instead of creating thoughts that shut down our emotions, we would need to practice a different way of handling them. Instead of hiding how we're feeling from others, we're going to need to practice taking the risk of opening up to someone else. Instead of only doing the things we know we're good at, we're going to have to practice sucking at that new thing. It all starts with hearing what that voice is saying and then consciously crafting it to say the things that will benefit us. For better or for worse, you When I decided to notice what the voice in my head was saying, I was appalled. You guys, it was mean. Like, imagine the worst Karen you've ever seen. It was meaner than that. That is a level of mean I'm talking about. Meaner than a Karen. I hadn't even realized it was there. But when I looked in the mirror, it told me I was ugly. And when I made a mistake, it told me I couldn't do anything right. When I disappointed someone in my life, it told me I was not worth loving. When I would watch TV, it told me I was a lazy piece of shit. It was seeping into my life by way of my actions. I told myself I wasn't worth loving, so I acted like I wasn't worth loving. I told myself I couldn't do anything right, so I didn't trust myself to take chances. I told myself I was ugly, so I didn't bother to dress nicely or do my hair. And none of this was done consciously. These thoughts were over there running wild and crafting this life that I wanted nothing to do with. 
talk about toxic. It can be hard to hear the voice at first. I started when I was doing an activity that didn't actively require my participation. Things like washing dishes, taking a shower, watching TV, when I was out on a walk. I think you get the idea. Make the effort to listen in and see what your inner dialogue sounds like. You may also encounter an inner mean girl. And it's helpful to approach your inner voice with a detached curiosity. The things it's saying are not true, and we don't want to get caught up in the narrative. It can be helpful to give it a name to further detach it from yourself. Remember, this is a group of neural pathways developed long ago. It's not fact. You can call it Karen, or Frank, or Billy Joe Bob, whatever you come up with. Once you know what Billy Joe Bob is saying on repeat in your head, you can begin to change those thoughts. If you never consciously pay enough attention to hear what's going on, then this toxic relationship will continue unchecked. You'll continue to be more reactive and less creative with your life. People will be able to get a rise out of you. You'll always think of that perfect thing to say two hours too late. While it might be scary to consciously hear these self-depreciating, hypercritical, and demeaning comments, it is better than not hearing them at all. Once you have a handle on what Billy Joe Bob is up there spewing about, then you can start to reshape them consciously. So now when I look in the mirror, I tell myself that I'm beautiful. And when I make a mistake, I tell myself that's part of learning and I'm one step closer to my goal. When I disappoint someone in my life, I acknowledge that I'm human and I made a mistake and I'm still worth loving. When I watch TV, I tell myself to relax and enjoy this moment that I have. In the beginning, I will be honest, it did feel inauthentic to combat these very well-practiced thoughts. Those old thought patterns are seductive in their familiarity, but over time, it gets easier and easier. The more you practice, the more your nervous system will learn that it's safe and it can let go of those patterns that no longer serve you. Bonus points if you want to add in some yoga and meditation here because we can't just talk our nervous systems into feeling safe. It has to feel it in our body. And the science on yoga and meditation in particular is that it is astoundingly efficient at doing just that. Just had to slip that in there. I do want to take a moment and just dispel a myth that I believed when I first started doing work like this. I believed that because I was doing the work, the moments of discomfort would disappear from my life. And by moments of discomfort, I mean moments when I was actively not being the best version of myself. Like when I chose to yell at my kids, this is not the best version of myself. I had this expectation that I would remain in some blissed out Zen state, be all the things that I had always wished I was. That is a fairy tale. You're not going to magically change overnight. You are still who you are and you can't run from you. So you might as well offer yourself up some self-acceptance. What I've come to understand is that by doing the work, we have the ability to choose differently in the midst of the discomfort. Let me explain uh, what I mean. Let's say my husband and I are fighting. He is once again taken all of the hand towels in the house down to be washed and left me with nowhere to dry my hands. This is a true story, by the way. To live with my husband is to just simply accept that from time to time you will have no 
hand towels. So me and my dripping hands are angry. In the past, I would get so flooded by emotion that I would react. I would stomp around the house in my state of anger with my dripping hands on a mission to find my poor unsuspecting husband and tell him just what an inconsiderate prick he was for hoarding all the hand towels. Now, when we are reacting, we're in a more primitive place of the brain. This place is not capable of doing anything other than repeating a behavior that kept us safe in the past. I had learned that if I made myself really big and scary and angry, then the person I was fighting with was unlikely to continue engaging with me in this way. So therefore I would quote unquote win. This particular behavior was an example of how I acted in ways that were not representative of the best version of myself. This is exactly what I mean by a moment of discomfort, knowing you're acting in a way that doesn't align with who you are. Hell, that wasn't even representative of an okay version of myself. It did not get me what I actually wanted, which was connection and understanding and in dry hand towels. After I had been practicing conscious thought interruptions and self-compassion for a few weeks, I was able to recognize I was angry when I was feeling angry, not later after I had calmed down. In my moment of anger, it didn't turn into a moment of discomfort because my anger didn't consume me and direct my behavior based on those old familiar patterns. I was able to recognize that I was about to repeat an old ingrained habit of mine that no longer served me. Then I had the opportunity to do something different. Now I have a choice. I'm not behaving on autopilot. My prefrontal cortex remains online. I want to tell you all That I always choose to behave in ways that align with the best version of myself, but I am still a work in progress. Sometimes I do. More and more I do, but sometimes I still choose to repeat an old familiar pattern. The repeated choice is intoxicating in its familiarity, and there are days when I still choose to behave in ways that don't benefit me. The point is that I'm consciously making the choice, whereas before... I didn't feel like I had a choice at all. I feel empowered and I choose those old behaviors less and less. My challenge for you this week is to actively listen to the thoughts that run through your head with detached curiosity. Remember, Billy Joe Bob is not telling you facts. The second step is to combat those thoughts that are overly critical and unhelpful. Practice self-compassion and kindness towards yourself regularly, even if it feels clunky and inauthentic at first. If you have no idea what a self-compassion exercise looks like, Google Dr. Kristen Neff. I'll also link her website in the notes for this podcast. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned her before, but she's an expert on self-compassion and teaching other people how to harness this skill. She's an amazing resource. Highly recommend you check her out. Bonus points to anyone who adds in yoga or meditation. Don't forget to continue writing down five things you are grateful for every day too. When I started writing this episode, I eventually came to the realization that I just couldn't cram everything I wanted into one episode. 
I have a lot to say when it comes to toxic relationships with other people, but I had to lay this foundation first. It really does start with the relationship that you have with yourself. I know I promised an introduction to Dr. Harriet Lerner and her book, The Dance of Anger. It's a fantastic book on boundaries. It's easy to understand, and she illustrates her point with interesting stories. I'm going to talk about it more in part two because it deals with the relationships that we have with other people. Part two of toxic relationships is going to talk about the relationships that we have with other humans. So I will talk more about The Dance of Anger in part two. Don't let that stop you from picking up a copy and reading it, though. It's a hugely beneficial book for anyone that's beginning to employ boundaries in their life. You will have to tune in next time and hear all about what I think are some very important considerations when you're evaluating a relationship with someone else. I am so grateful for all of you that listen to my podcast. I have been loving all the feedback, so please, if you found this helpful or not helpful or you have any thoughts to share with me, I'm completely open to that. You can find notes from the episode as well as a transcript on my website, couchpotatocoachllc.com. I do still have a few coaching spots available, so if you've been thinking about getting coaching, just send an inquiry through my website. Again, that is couchpotatocoachllc.com. It is my sincere hope that if you are in a difficult situation or feeling like you are powerless to change your life, that you can tune in and be inspired. More than anything else, I do this so that you can listen to my voice and know that you are not alone.